This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis. Tem que malhar Vamos lá Musculação Respiração Ar do pulmão Vamos lá Tem que esticar Tem que dobrar Tem que encaixar Vamos lá Um, dois e três É sem parar Mais uma vez Verão chegando Quem não se endireitar Não tem lugar ao sol Domingo é dia De um tititi a mais E de bumbum pra trás Verão chegando Quem não se endireitar Não tem lugar ao sol E de bumbum pra trás Respiração, ar no pulmão Vamos lá Tem que esticar, tem que dobrar Tem que encaixar Vamos lá Um, dois e três É sem parar, mais uma vez Verão chegando Quem não se endireitar Não tem lugar ao sol Domingo é dia De um tititi a mais E de bombo pra trás Verão chegando Quem não se endireitar Não tem lugar ao sol Domingo é dia a mais e de bumbum pra trás Tem que esticar, tem que dobrar. Um, 
dois e três Mais uma vez Hi, how are you? Welcome back. This is Straight Ahead with me, David Lewis, and of course, London's leading music venue, the 606 Club of Chelsea. So our opening track this week was delivering us some much-needed sunshine and warmth, and it was from a re-released album from 1983, some Latin jazz from Marcos Val. And what I think we'll do is carry on in that Latin theme and go to an artist that you can watch at the club this coming weekend, live streaming with us. Luna Cohen is back with us at the club, and uh, here she is with Nina Avo. Sim 
Just one of the artists that is streaming with us at the club this coming weekend, the other being Derek Nash. And I've got something of Derek's lined up a little bit later on in the show. Our guest this week is American composer and pianist Lisa Hilton. And we'll be hearing the first part of that interview in around about 20 minutes time. Wildcard have recently released their single Aleppo Express, which I'm glad to say we had just prior to its official release. It's getting a lot of heat and attention right now, which is great. And of course, we had Clement Roger on a few weeks ago. And I'm glad to say that the drummer with Wildcard, Sophie Alloway, is another one of the guests that you'll be hearing on Straight Ahead in the next few weeks. So let's go and listen to it now. Aleppo Express featuring Marcus Strickland.
plenty of great new music to bring you on the show this week, including numbers from Miguel Music and Caroline Vane. That's all to come on Straight Ahead this week. On last week's show, I started to play numbers from the uh, upcoming album from Down for the Count Swing Orchestra. We played Mr. Bojangles last week, which went down ever so well. So I thought what I would do is go back into that album and find something else to bring you. And here they are with The Man That Got Away. The night is bitter The stars have lost their glitter The winds grow colder And suddenly you're older And all because of the man that got away Run off and undone you That great beginning I've seen the final ending Don't know what happened It's all a crazy game Of all that all-time thrill For you've been through the mill And never on new love Will be the same Good riddance Goodbye Every trick of his your arm too But fools will be fools And where's he gone to? The road gets rougher It's lonelier and tougher with hope you burn up Tomorrow he may turn up There's just no let up The man long Night and day Ever since this world began There's nothing sadder than A one-man woman Looking for the man that got away And if you're liking the sound of that Pop a note in your diary. April the 30th is when the album At the Cold Stores from Down for the Count Orchestra goes on general release. I mentioned we've also got Derek Nash with us at the club this coming weekend. He's with us on Saturday and he's going to be bringing to the club his sax appeal quartet. What I thought we'd do now is listen to him with one of his own compositions. This is Joyriding.
nearly time for me to bring you the first part of our interview with composer and pianist Lisa Hilton. But before that, a brand new track to bring you that's going to be available as of this coming Friday, the 23rd of April, and it is from Caroline Vane, A Song For You. It explores the little day-to-day pleasures in everyday relationships, whether they be romantic or platonic. It's a great lineup on the single with Jamie Trulianuti on the drums. You've got Will Sharp on bass and BVs. Oliver Cherrington's on piano, Sam McDonald electric guitar and on vocals, violin and acoustic guitar is Caroline herself. So check it out this coming weekend. But here it is now. First play on UK Radio, A Song For You. Thank you. 
sure you too will be wanting to add a copy of that to your library. Well, this coming Friday, Caroline Baines' a Song For You is available. Go and check it out. It's on all of the major platforms, including Apple Music. Zoe Gilby, of course, has just released her brand new album, Aurora. We played tracks from it a few weeks ago. The track I've got lined up this week features on trumpet Noel Dennis, and this is Forget the Past. Forget the past, embrace the morning light. The dewy haze lights a brighten day arrives. A dawning break, don't hesitate. Step it up and pave the way. Up your pace, the whole world passes by. To catch a glance, regret will never try. The leaves unfold as blossom grows. Make the most before it goes. A passing charm. Lovers walk arm in arm. Illuminate a wish to make where the grass is always greener. The April mist, the future promises. You cannot miss a timeless place. The rules weren't late, the adventure never Never wait. 
time now that we meet this week's guest on the show, composer and pianist Lisa Hilton. She recently released an album, Chalkball Destiny, and we're going to start off the interview listening to the title track from that album. You're listening to me, David Lewis, and this is Straight Ahead. If you want to know what's happening at The Six, check out the website at 606club.co.uk.
Lisa Hilton. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, hello, David. How are you? I'm ever so well. So we're speaking to you, I think, over in Malibu, aren't we? Yes, and it's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, it's Friday. I've got a weekend coming up. It's springtime. Saw the first of the wildflowers yesterday. So the world is good and getting better today. I already feel better now. You've got, an amazing, <laughs> you've got an amazing spirit and a way of uplifting people. I feel a happier man already. And uh, I kind of know about you in the wildflowers because I was looking at you on Instagram and you took a couple of pictures yesterday, didn't you, and posted, I think yeah. you were out on a walk or a hike and you, in the middle of nature. That's right. You know, uh, here in the United States, we have spring break, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're still under a certain amount of lockdown. So uh, just spent the day hiking, you know, just taking a day off to go hiking and then uh, biking the next day. And it was, thankfully, we had good California weather and, you know, it would be nice to be able to go on a vacay, but uh, just to a little time in nature always works wonders for me. Doesn't it just? Yep, it really does. Well, let, you mentioned about the pandemic. How are things there at the moment then? How is life beginning to look any more normal? Yes, it is, because the vaccine really makes a difference. Uh, it gives you a feeling of that all a little safety. And then when you start knowing people that are getting vaccinated and then knowing more people and they're making an effort that uh, people working in stores are are getting the vaccine, so it's it's definitely helping, and uh, it's a it will be a new lease on life for so many of us. So mm. that's good. Um, we California, Southern California was at one time the coronavirus capital in the world. Yeah. Uh, so we are definitely relieved that that is not going on here anymore. So your stores open and things like that now. The non-essential kind of things, yeah. Yeah, we're not really feeling um, good about, you know, nobody's rushing around to restaurants, but they are starting to open. And more pertinently, the music scene, how's that set at the moment? What's the restrictions on that? Well, I know that Carnegie Hall, our our greatest venue here, um, will be closed all of this year still. So I played there six years in a row, but not this year. Um, They will open for next season, 2022. Mm. I think they're kind of the leader, but I have seen that some venues are starting to kind of open. Uh, The other night when I was talking to friends, we were all talking about what we missed the most. And I'm like, I want to go to breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) A friend of mine said, you know, I want to go to Italy. And uh, a girlfriend said, I'd like to go to a concert. And I I loved hearing that. We miss things like that. Oh, so much so. I mean, it used to be a big part of my life. Obviously, I'm not a musician, but uh, just going to gigs, it was just a a major part of life. And you don't realise the liberty that we've had taken away from us. You took it all so for granted. I think in future life, hopefully, we will remember that it can be taken away in a flash. So to really cherish the moment and enjoy what we've got given to us. Yeah. You know, it's kind of nice not to perform for a little bit. You know, it appeals to the kind of lazy part of Mm-hmm. We've, all, we've all got it. We've all got Don't it. But on the other hand, especially as a musician, we like that challenge. We like keeping our chops up. Mm. We like having a, a, a peak performance level. So it's kind of, I feel okay about it so far, but I wouldn't want to go too much longer um, because, again, it's a part of what we do. It's a part of how we grow. If there's no shows, then. You know, we still practice, we still compose, we still work with our instrument, 
but it's not doesn't have that you know fire behind us mm. i'm playing carnegie hall i better you know of course and have you started to see any bookings coming in for you now for later in the year i have gotten um just the first little nibbles but good. we are still far in advance yeah uh, so i i feel good about that um, so somebody wants me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they've always wanted you. It's just not been able to have you at the moment, isn't it? So, but uh, hopefully, you know, I'm hearing this from more and more musicians that they're just beginning to see the shoots of a of a musical spring coming through. That you know, people are at least getting back in touch now, and picking up the phone and sending an email and just asking, "Are you around? Can you do a gig?" So that's got to be a good thing. So one of the things I'm always thinking about, though, is. I will be safe when I perform because there's just a few of us on stage. Mm, but mm. I want my audience to be safe. I want my audience to feel comfortable. Comfortable, I yeah. People who work there to be safe and feel good. And I think that we're not looking always at the bigger picture. We think, oh, just about the musician. But any show that that's probably a dozen people that go that work behind the scenes, mm. whether they're serving the drinks or taking the tickets or, mm-hmm. or cleaning up afterwards. You know, there's a whole team. So I want everyone to feel comfortable and safe and have a good time. And I'm guessing this year you would have unusually spent quite a lot of time at home because presumably as a busy gigging musician, you're generally away from home many nights of the week and month, aren't you? Well, um, yes, that's true because my tour season is January through April. Mm-hmm. So yes, I would normally be on the road. Um, but I love composing. That's my favorite thing. So I just started my, what I call my composing season early. Um, so I have my new embryos, my little, my little babies getting started. Mm -hmm. We're working with them now. I'm working with them now. So they're kind of in the teenager stage. Very exciting. The music surprisingly is so rich this year. Well, I was, really, I, I've, what I've noticed really from, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but what I've noticed from my side is the amount of music that I'm suddenly in a real glut being sent. And I'm sure without any doubt that it's yeah. the fruits of last year's lockdown. All of you artists were at home creating and suddenly now it's got to a stage it's been mixed, mastered, and it's coming through to fruition. And it, it can't be an accident. I've never known so much good new jazz being sent out to me. It's amazing times. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. You know, it's different, though, because last year when I was composing in the spring, so last March, um, we were dealing with fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the, you know, it started in the China, in the Wuhan Peninsula, and then it was rampant in northern Italy. But we were feeling a little safe in the United States, and we we're just watching it from afar. And then gradually our fears, you know, it encompass the world Mm, mm, mm. so those i think when i was composing last year really was dealing with fear um and then also i knew that the album would come out in december and we would all be safe and we'd be partying and going out right going to restaurants and living our life and being happy well that didn't happen i had the wrong time (laughs) and when you listen back to the compositions now does it reflect how when you listen orally does it reflect how you're thinking and feeling emotionally at the time right um and i don't write for me i don't write about me i don't write my love life i know a lot of uh musicians do Mm. i am trying to feel what's going on in our world and expressing that what we are feeling, what we are sharing, what we are going 
through. And then looking into the future, thinking, where will we be? What will we need? How will, you know, what is our feelings then? So you have to be a little prescient. You have to kind of know what will be going on in the future. Uh, so I was off. I thought we were going to be having a good time in <laughs> <to> December <laughs> 2020. But in fact, the music is uplifting and we needed that. I think we really needed that in December or January. Um, so this year, we have a different feelings. We feel a, more confident of being able to navigate this difficult time. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we're getting tired of it. So there are different emotions that we are feeling that hopefully will come out in the music. But it's very, very rich. I think maybe by being deprived, perhaps, in some ways, that the music is becoming more harmonically and rhythmically rich. We'll see. I'm never sure what I'm going to get. Have you got a formula for the way? I know you said that composition is one of your favourite things. Is there a certain way that you sit down to compose and begin working on a new idea? Well, after normally after my tour, then, you know, I want something different. I've been mm. playing the same music for a few months. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, it's just like eating the same meal for a while. You mm -hmm. want something different. But I always go back to the foundation, the basics. I always uh, play like classical or, or traditional jazz for um, maybe about a month. Mm -hmm. And then by then, I'm so sick and tired of classical music or traditional jazz, whatever it was. Um, then, boom, new compositions just start exploding. But I always start with the idea like, I am really going to practice up on some classics. I'm really going to get through that, uh, you know, whatever that book or that composer will mm. be. Um, for the, You know, every year I kind of explore some new people. Because, of course, um, as, a, as a youngster, I believe you began to learn the piano at age eight, didn't you? And you were very much formally uh, tutored in, in the classics, weren't you, in 20th century piano? Well, um, classical, Northern European classical music, as well as um, what they called then modern music. Now we call it 20th century music. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad that I did have that roundness, but nothing in jazz or blues. That was a surprise that I kind of stumbled onto, I think, as a young teenager, very young. And that was it. That was the music that I was going to pursue. That's what I liked. It, it made so much more sense because, you know, I don't know any waltzes or gavots or uh, mazurkas. <laughs> you know, the, when you play classical music, it is beautiful music of another era. Sure, sure. I wanted music that would work for our time. Yeah. And I mean, I know you played in many of the school bands and so on, but interestingly, you didn't actually go on to college to study music, did you? It was art that you studied there and majored in. Well. Um, with a little bit of a surprise, I loved, that was my first love. I loved music. But when I got to college, it was, it, I felt the people I was around, it was more competitive. It wasn't as an art. It was, uh, you know, people were very competitive about getting professional positions and orchestras. And it really had a completely different approach than uh, what I had come from in 
steady music, which mm. was explore your love, explore the spirit or the soul of music, understand the compositions, you know, from a humanistic point of view, I suppose. So it was a difficult time. I felt the love of my life was not the right thing for me. At the time, I didn't realize that I could actually be a composer. I didn't realize that there were different ways of finding a living or a profession in music. I just thought, well, I, I don't want to play for an orchestra. So I quit abruptly and began to study different art forms and then finished up with a degree in art and design. And that, you know, I've always been very creative. So mm -hmm. that appealed to the creative side of me. But then much later, when I went back to music, I was able to take the everything I learned in college from studying art and art history, which I loved, um, and apply those same principles to music. So I kind of feel like I'm doing both, but I'm back to my first love, which is music. And what brought you back to music then? How, you, how did your life turn, the turn of events happen? Well, for a while, I was an art director for motion pictures and television, and that was a very high pressure, very deadline oriented, high budget kind of world to be in. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where I didn't want to live that way anymore. When you have millions of dollars on the line for a film budget, you know, for example, I worked on a James Bond film. and. If they don't like what you've done, that's a lot of pressure. So I thought I needed to find a different creative outlet. And um, about that time, a girlfriend said, you should start playing the piano again. And so I had just done it a little tiny bit. I was just back at the piano, just trying to figure out if there is some kind of thing that I might be able to do piano that I would find that would be a creative solution. So what I did was I was at a fundraiser that someone had put on for the university here in town. And David Foster, the great producer mm -hmm. of so many songs, especially for like Celine Dion, he sat at the piano and he played the music that he had composed for Celine and other people and told the stories behind the compositions and play the piano. He's a good pianist. And I, you know, I had shivers. I had kind of <laughs> like tickles and stuff. I thought, oh my God, this is what I want to do on the piano. I want to play pop music. I want to play David. I want to play David Foster's music. <laughs>
And the track at the end of the first part of the interview with Lisa was Sympathy for Blues. Again, you can find that on the album Chalkball Destiny and more from Lisa in just a few short minutes time. An album that recently came to my attention was that of Jarrett Scherner and Sarah Elizabeth Charles. The album is called Tone and there's a lovely track I've got lined up ready to play you next on the show this week. And it's this, Shine On. No love lies Come to you No one's perfect You're better off Find something new Cause you're worth it Shine bright as you can And love yourself Thought I once thought that I was stuck. My reflection told me lies of imperfection. Just breathe. Live bright as you can and love yourself.
Time now we go and catch up with Lisa on the second part of her interview and we're going to listen to another track from the album. This one is Tropic of Tango. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club.
So I went out and those were the days when you could actually go to a music store and you could buy, you know, sheet music books. So I went and I bought pop music book this and pop music book that and the David Foster collection. Went home and I went through every single pop music book and there was nothing in there that I wanted to play. And I was just dejected. So I knew it wasn't going to be classical. I knew it wasn't going to be um, 20th century music. And mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be pop music. So in complete frustration, I started composing again. I had composed a little in the past when I was younger. And I started composing again. And, and now it's like 200 pieces later, I'm still at it. And this is what I should be doing. But... Uh, David Foster actually kind of was the inspiration. So we, if we're lucky, we all have that one particular moment, don't we? we? It's kind of that Rosetta Stone. You just find that meaning, that what you want to do. And if you're lucky, you get then to do it for a career as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's interesting that uh, with your background in art, because I've heard it been many comparisons made that you kind of paint your compositions. They're layered and they're textured. I do think that I approach it differently because I don't have any education in composition and theory, actually. I think I've taken one class. Um, So I don't approach it the same way. Uh, Most of the time, I'm in a different zone when I'm composing. I don't actually know the key that I'm in. I don't know the time signature. I don't know what notes I'm playing. So the music is coming out of me. And then when I think I've got something down, I put the computer on the piano and I notate it quickly. Notate, yeah. And then I have to go, okay, where's my finger? Okay, that note is G. Let's see, what key am I in? Hmm. So I, ha- I actually have to train myself what, what key am I in. I notate it. But then when I start working on the piece, I'm thinking about it not from a harmonic theory perspective. because I don't have it. I'm thinking about it from, let's see, what are what's the sketch? What's the basic bones? What's the foundation? Like you would if you were um, a painter or mm-hmm. perhaps a sculptor. And of course, we need some texture, right? Okay, some texture. What we'll do some texture with the rhythm, and then we need different colors. You're not going to paint the whole thing with the same colors. So let's have some harmonic colors coming. So I think it helps me to approach it and um, in a different way than if I had spent, you know, four years studying it in college. Uh, and I also think that there's some composers that I study. When you study a composer, some composers, you think, how did they ever come up with these ideas? Well, they might be approaching it in a different way like I, I do as well. So would I be right in saying that other than the training you had as a, a very young girl, you've not had any formal musical training then? I think I've had about a half a year in college. Right, yeah. So the rest of it is pretty much self-taught. Yes, you had the basics down from, from the music lessons as a kid, but from a professional right. point of view, you, you've taught yourself pretty much. Right. I think, you know, basically since nothing since, say, 18 I was, say, 18 years old. Uh, Like I said, I took one theory class, and I think I signed up for one class um, to write fugues, and I'm like, I don't want to write a fugue. (laughs) 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 Do you blame me? So I dropped that. That was it, you know? 
And so, uh-huh. I mean, looking through your discography, you've, I think I might say, you have 25 plus albums you've now recorded and released. I think right around there. Yeah. So that, that's test me to how much you enjoy the recording process. And it, obviously this year you've had the live side of your art taken away from you, but I'm taking it uh, that you do enjoy the, the recording and studio side of life. I do. Well, it's always a challenge, but if I would like my comp- compositions to go out and touch the world, to go out and share with other people, then I have to do it. But it's challenging. I I did not wake up one day and say, I want to record my music. Mm-hmm. I I realized that, okay, if you're going to write your own compositions and you want to play your own compositions, then you have to record them. So it's just been a step, step, step. You know, one thing led to another. That's how I ended up producing. I was available. Um, so... Over time, I do enjoy recording. I get excited about it. And especially that's when the music is born. That's when you hear the music with the band for the first time. Good speakers, a great Steinway piano. Uh, So there's a specialness about being in the recording studio. But, you know, it's stressful. it's on, it's on a time clock, isn't it? You know, you've got, you know, studio time's expensive. So, you know, you've got to get it done in a certain time that's frame. And That's right. It's a zillion dollars an hour. Yep. You hope that um, your your bandmates like the music. You never know. What if they don't? You know, so, you know or what if something goes wrong? Or, you know, or, or you know, there's always those uh, questions that pop up. There are different kinds of questions or worries than when you lo- perform live. Mm. Um, than when you're in the recording studio. But I do love it now. Um, it was hard for me uh, in the beginning because I did have performance anxiety. And that ha- many happened. Many do, many do, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and I, I, I can totally understand and empathise with you getting up on stage and performing in front of people. You know, I'm, I'm lucky I get to sit in a dark studio and no one can see what I'm doing. But when you're very <laughs> fit, visible and on stage, I think it must be horrendous at times. <laughs> it. Uh, it's I'm over it now, but it, it was a definite challenge. But that's, you know, when you love something, it guides you in life. Mm. Uh, it really does. I, I wouldn't have, if I didn't love composing so much, I wouldn't have gotten over performance anxiety. I wouldn't have recorded the music. I wouldn't have had all these amazing experiences working with great players on the last album, Lucas Curtis and Rudy Royston. Uh, but throughout ooh, about 15 years recording, so many great musicians. So, um, is, your, is your band fairly stable? Is it very consistent, the band that you tour with and record with? Well, I think it depends on the material. I always judge that once the compositions are pretty much done. Sometimes I hear horns, uh, multiple horns. Sometimes it's a trio, sometimes solo piano. Um, but I have been working, I normally work with the same people for quite a while. Uh, my sax player, J.D. Allen, J.D. Allen yeah. worked together about 10 years. Rudy Royston, the drummer that I'm working with right now, we've toured together, I think, about 10 years. And then on album, about three years. Mm-hmm. My bass player, who I love, Lucas Curtis, um, I... Just started working with him about three years ago, but I know we're going to work together for a long time. I love working with them. Uh, so, 
yeah, it starts to become like family, but you know, still, I don't, I don't know if, if they'll like the music. Is <laughs> <laughs> the first time they get to see it when they get to the studio or do you send them some right. guard charts or pretty delete? Much. pretty much that is it. They turn up at the studio and trust that you've kind of written what they're going to like. And that's when it starts to take shape. Well, actually, I, I'm sorry. I do send the music ahead a couple of weeks so that they can glance over it. But mm. what I say to them is what the piano is doing. So they kind of have an idea of the piece. So um, it's just kind of a stimulation of the ideas. And if there's any questions or um, general ideas, they'll make little pencil notes mm-hmm. on the chart. And bring and their, then, crea- their creativity to the charts as well. Yeah, like they'll, um, you know, they can hear, they see what I'm doing and they've already started to come up with some ideas. So then in the studio, um, I just talk about the piece for about five minutes Mm -hmm. uh, or three minutes or something. Or sometimes I just start playing and they play too. Um, Because, you know, music being at a universal language, Mm -hmm. that it just speaks to them. They're very, of course, intuitive and very expressive. So the coolest thing about the studio is we don't have to say anything. Um, but the engineers are going, slow down. <laughs> yeah, we need to capture this. Yeah. We need to capture this. We need, we need to, uh, you know, slate this. We need to say this is, uh, you know, track one or whatever, take one. Um, but they're, they're racehorses. They love to play. We, I just give them a little bit of heads up about the piece. Like I really look forward to hearing you here. Um, I'm going to do this over here. Um, The music came about perhaps for this expression or something. But I have to say when we recorded the new album, More Than Another Day, I didn't really want to speak about the pieces very much because, you know, there's a lot of grief in there mm-hmm. and difficult times the last year. So I didn't know that I needed to say much. Um, you know, everything we had all experienced it together. And it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and where you're currently living in Malibu, there must be a, a creative gene or something in the air there. Because I think Miles Davis once lived there, didn't he? Joe Zawinul, Howie Silver. It seems like it's a, a jazz's musical hotbed. I know Stan Getz. <laughs> oh, another one on the list. I thought I'd done my research. I didn't know Getz was there as well. So something, something good in the air there, right? And, you know, Lisa Hilton. <laughs> exactly. You're all there. It's, it's the epicentre of jazz in America. They didn't know it, but Malibu's the place. And um, I know also that you're very keen about giving back, aren't you? You tutor uh, blind and visually impaired children. I do try. And I've been missing that this year. Of course, so many of the things that we're used to doing um, have, you know, been mm. stopped. Mm. Um, I did do something... Just I made a donation of CDs to the Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind. So originally, I wanted to get involved with um, children, in some way, students. Mm -hmm. And there was a camp for the blind here in Malibu. So I thought, oh, that sounds fun, right? So um, I arranged to have a piano um, put at the camp, and I went to play there. And uh, it was a real eye-opener. Most students or most people that have a visual impairment many times are multi-handicapped. They have more than one disability. So it was quite an eye opener for me. And I 
decided to keep at it. I felt like I wasn't very successful the first first few times I, I did that. So I started playing at the the camp for blind children here in Malibu a couple of years. And then someone at Perkins School for the Blind in Boston said, well, you should come play for us. And then Chicago Lighthouse for the Blind said, well, you should come play for us. Mm-hmm. And it just was, you know, one step led to another. And then Junior Blind of America said, well, come play, play for us. So um, it's been a wonderful journey. I have really learned so much and met so many cool people. Um, I've met visually impaired lawyers and uh, development officers and presidents and, and a huge range of people, piano tuners, um, a lot of people who have visual disabilities and really made a lot of great friends along the way. Yeah, and I, I can hear how key, how enthusiastic you are about it. I would have thought that feeling of giving back must be so rewarding. Yeah, it is. But I, as everyone always says, I feel like I get more out of it. It's really, mm. I could I could give you a hundred stories of cool things that have happened. So we mentioned early on that this is your compositional season. So presumably there will be an album later this year, will there? Yes, if I'm lucky, there'll be two. <laughs> oh, busy, busy, busy times. I think I, I'm always trying to, to me, doing more of what I love um, sounds even more exciting. But we'll see. Um, we've got the next group coming up here. Mm-hmm. I might have an album a little bit earlier in the year. And then I'm always maybe going to do a holiday album. So oh, you, you've not yet done the Christmas album. I know. Everyone's asked about it, but uh, maybe this year. Yeah, I think you need to mark that one. It needs to be done, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, especially at this time, I think we can use uh, calming music. Yeah, and it would probably be a very fitting time at which to do it as well because when you listen back to it in years to come to know you created that Christmas album or holiday season album after the pandemic at that point in life, probably be a very right. special time to look back on, won't it? Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, and I mentioned earlier on that I was spying on you on uh, social media. You're so easy to find and, and you post some <laughs> lovely posts as well. So just let people know where they can find you. Your website, which is wonderful. There's loads of great images there and all sorts of information, lisahiltonmusic.com. And you're pretty much that everyone. You're Lisa Hilton Music on Instagram, at Lisa Hilton Music on Twitter. And again, Lisa Hilton Music on Facebook. You're so easy to find. <laughs> Thanks, David. It's wonderful. So we're obviously playing a number of tracks through the course of the show this week and I've been wanting to get in touch with you for so long and it's just uh, the, the stars collided and we managed to get some time together. I know it's got a hectic schedule for you at home at the moment so thank you so oh. much for making the time to come on the show. Really do appreciate it Lisa. David such a pleasure. You have terrific questions and so personable. Thank you so much for having me. Oh it's very kind of you. Thank you. Lisa it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you.
thanks indeed to Lisa for sitting down with me. And we finished off the interview with another track from the album Chalkball Destiny, and that was Cafe All Mojo. Hopefully she's enjoying herself a lovely coffee right now. Next to play on the show this week is something from Lindley Hamilton that I promised you we had lined up here along with the Camden Orchestra, and it's Don't Be Lonely Tonight. Straight Ahead with David Lewis.
Finally, this coming Sunday, there is an EP launch, which is Safe Places from Esther Bennett and Terence Colley. You'll be able to find details of it online. It's going to be a great lineup. Of course, Esther's on the vocals, Terence on piano, Richard Sadler bass, once again, Sophie Alloway, she's everywhere at the moment, it's on the drums. And Matt Hodge is percussion with a special guest from Hannah Horton and Dunkle Mont Jr. on the saxes. So from that EP, let's play another track for you right now. This is Wandering Lost. Wondering, I wonder in love. 
And from that, we go to a track from an album that's getting a lot of attention at the moment, and rightly so. Amanda Whiting, the harpist, has just released her latest album, After Dark, full of wonderful music just like this. Who knows?
just as a small sidebar of interest, something you might like to know is that uh, this very show turns six years old this week. Yeah, I don't think I've missed a show in all that time. Hopefully plenty more great music to come as well over the next six years. I mentioned that we've got Derek and Natalie with us at the club this coming weekend. If you want to watch them on the live stream, then all you need to do is go over to 606club.co.uk. Make sure that you've created yourself that account. It's a one-off kind of thing. And then after that, it's just a small music fee. And then you can sit back in the comfort of your own home and watch these fine artists. This week, Derek Nash, sax and vocals. Natalie Lawrence, Saturday and Sunday, taken care of for you. Now over to a lovely piece of music from Sananda Matreya and Antonio Ferro. This is their version of Mood Indigo.
and the wait is very nearly over. On the 20th of May, we finally reopen our doors to the public. That's right, you can come back and watch live music with us down at the club in Chelsea. And if you go over to the website, 606club.co.uk, you'll find all the details of the acts, artists and gigs that we've got lined up for you over those first couple of weeks. And uh, to be honest, we are looking forward to so much. So hopefully catch you down at the club very, very soon. Now, when I was last at the club, which was last summer, when things briefly opened up, I saw Joe down there. Joe Harrop, of course, and I host this show together once a month. Well, on that gig, Joe was with Paul Edis, the pianist, and they've been busy creating some beautiful music and they've just released a new single. And when they performed it at the club, I was moved to tears in the most beautiful way, I promise you. It is gorgeous. The lyrics are stunning. You need to sit back and listen to this. So here is the brand new single from Joe Harrop and Paul Edis, If I Knew. If I knew that would be the last time I would have held you much closer if I knew If I knew that would be the last time I should have kissed you so much deeper if I knew I wish I'd lingered a little longer with my gaze I wish I'd told you all the things I couldn't say But what to say for the rest of my days If I knew tried to remember the warmth of your hand, your skin on mine, to touch you one last time, to say goodbye, if only I Of your hand, 
your skin on mine to touch you one last time to say goodbye if only I To this very day, I can picture exactly where I was sitting down at the six when I heard that. It was the first time it had been played out in public. Last August, I was down at the club with my daughter and we just looked at one another and knew that we'd just heard something very, very special. I'm sure if you sit down and listen to it again and put it into context of something that's happened in your life, you'll see the beauty there. Two of my favourite musicians on that track, Paul Edis and Joe Harrop. And of course, Joe and I will be back together very soon. I think possibly even next week. So let's see what she's got looked out for us then. Thank you for your company over the last couple of hours. I hope you enjoyed the music. Thank you to Lisa for being our guest on the show this week. And of course, we will be back with more great music along with Joe next week. And taking us out of the show this week is a track from a Lithuanian pianist and composer from the album Lost Suite. We're going to be listening to Take Nothing. And this is Jedamanis Korkorkas. I'll see you next week for more great music. <laughs> 